Hi, this is Cam Smith, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. Hey, guys, why don't we eat? Dear, don't cause a fuss. I'll have your spam. I love it. I'm having spam, spam, spam. Cornflakes. 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 Anyone fancy a pint? Suit you, sir. Spam, 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 baked beans, spam, 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 and spam. I said I don't want any damn vegetables. Lentils are really good, you know? Mmm, forbidden donut. Just as the bass player gets busy, we say, mate, you can go now. You can just go. Because <laughs> that was my big moment. I was, I was, could have been a contender. 12.02 here on 3 RFM. You're listening to the Afternoon Sounds. What happened to me there? Matt Steadman, hello. Cameron Smith, I'm, I'm just messing with my pots and pans over here because my headphones are sounding weird. But that's all right. Ooh. Yeah, I'm just scrubbing down the deck here and... Uh, well, we've made the uh, the studio germ-free because yes. that's what we do here. It's, it's a wonderful smell of sort of Glen 20 in the air. and Yes, we believe in germs and we believe in the ways <laughs> to fix them because that's the way we roll. We are the, are the station of the enlightenment. Yes. For all the rest of you out there, keep banging those rocks together. <laughs> <laughs> As the old saying went in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Um, how are you? Uh, hope you're having a beautiful day. It is going to be 21 degrees. It's, it's not there already. It's gorgeous out there, isn't it? It's a what beautiful it spring day. Well, and it's 21. It's going to be 22, according to my oh, device. And hopefully you can get outside and enjoy a bit of that vitamin D, even though you know, you've got to be exercising and you can't meet people or do anything. But you can still go outside. You can frolic by yourself. Frolic away. Frolic with a friend. Yes. Frolic with no abandon. Well, we're here to talk to you about food. Thank you, scientists. Thank you, doctors. Thank you, fishermen. Thank you, Tim Thorpe. Yes. You've all been great. And also, 
to all those people that have supported us again, it has to be said, over Radiothon. Should we do the housekeeping now? You've still got a couple of days to get in. This is the last week of Radiothon. Um, yep. So uh, get in this week with your subscription if you want to. Uh, what do they win, Matt? Oh, you've got a, a whole selection of prizes you might be able to win. Um, but you also yeah. sub- support Triple R for another 12 months. You've got to get your subscription in by 5 p.m. on Wednesday. Yeah, it's a little bit like the Blues Brothers. Is it? Well, in That's fact, right. you had to get to the, the office by the right time of was, you know. <laughs> it's not like the orphanage is going to go. But, no, you know, you, but you're still you, on a mission from God. But so, yeah. yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, today's show, we're here to talk to you uh, about food. Yes. Um, we, we're going to have a little bit of a uh, what Matt and I have been eating. Yes. Um, me and my frying pan, Matt sort of what's been in his box. Yes. Um, we're going to talk to you about... Uh, Fish and insolvency. Yes. How to eat fish with a, while remaining solvent. Yes. Which in the thing. can or, be a challenge. Or is or is that maybe a misnomer? Maybe we're, we're thinking about this all wrong. But I think it uh, depends what fish you're buying, doesn't it? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And or, where. And, and where. And mm. even when. Yeah. What time of day. Indeed. Yes. And seasons too. Mm. Oh, um yes. There's a lot to talk about, and we thought we would bring in our uh, resident, uh, the king of the pescatarians. <laughs> His name is Nick Maluk. He used to cook at a skyscraper that was on its side by South Bank. Whitman, yes. Whitman Street, I think we used to give the address as. Yes. Because we tried not to refer to it by name. Um, he is... One of the great fish chefs of moment, I'd say up there with uh, Baby Bakash. Oh, yes, yep. Feisty. And hello, Michael, if you're listening, I hope you're doing okay in yeah. lockdown. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Bakash, I think, is probably maybe Melbourne's greatest fish cook, mm. but uh, Nick Maluk is uh, up there. He's simpatical, he understands. Mm. He's, uh, he's great. And he has been, well, because of lockdown, um, he's been between Melbourne and his hometown of Lakes Entrance where yes. – he has maybe the restaurant I so want to go to when this whole thing me, me is three. over. I, I do too, yes. Think think of like a stokehouse, mm. right, mm. on a pier mm. in Lakes Entrance where the, the trawlers come and unload their catches. So mm. the freshest, most incredible fish you eat looking over water. Mm-hmm. It's called soda fish. And I'm like, oh, I can't wait to go there, my God. Um, but anyway, we're going to talk to him, and he's going to give us some ideas about um, how to how to you know enjoy the health benefits, yep. um, all the other things. Um, if you are an omnivore or yes. a pescatarian, mm-hmm. we understand if you're not a veg- if you are a vegetarian mm-hmm. um, that this isn't part of your mix. But mm. we are going to be speaking about that, and then we're going to talk about a beer with a history, a history of travel, mm. a history of two equators. Ooh, that's got me thinking. Yeah, Indian Pale Ale. Um, Why did Indian Pale Ale come into existence, you ask? Why did it? Go on, do it. (laughs) I don't know how Indian Pale Ale came into existence, Camp. I'd love to know. Matt, you are the best. I love (laughs) Thank you. Um, Well, we are going to be talking to uh, the redoubtable Scott McKinnon from um, 
a uh, a beer brewer that is actually an independent beer brewer mm. has not been craft washed is not a manifestation or a fiction of uh, a large multinational company because mm. this is a bit of a problem it's a, it's a growing it's an emerging, thing isn't it yes, yes it's an emerging thing we're all in our pre-show meeting which we have yes we were we were nodding vigorously at the uh, <laughs> the difficulties oh. the the beer consumer has now in trying to identify what's real What's a what's a mass brand and what's, what's what's valid? Genuinely independent, and we'll talk to him a little bit about that. Scott McKinnon's going to be talking about that and how there is a corollary mm-hmm. between that and uh, a fortified wine called Madeira. And oh. we'll, we'll be finding out a little bit about that um, during the show. In the meantime, there'll be great tunes, we some are, good times. Yes, but before we go any further, we have to. What's that in your mouth? Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. This is the time where we talk about the mastications, the prognications, and just the general eating that we've been doing during the week. Yep. Um, Matt, you want to go first? Uh, tell us what great things have you been eating? We've been using so this this lockdown time where you can't really do much else. We have, but we've been sort of doing a bit of fifty fifty. We've been doing uh, enjoying a bit of kitchen experiments. Yes, you know, finding new recipes and giving them a giving them a shot. Mm. Um, and the other side to that is we're also uh, because uh, my good lady wife and I are very lucky. We still have our jobs and our income. We've been trying to also uh, spend a bit of money on restaurant uh, boxes and those sorts of things. Boxes. So, I remember ages ago you you were saying that um, one box that you really, really did like mm-hmm. was Super Normal. Yes. You said that was really, really good. But the one that you love the best and the one that I keep hearing about the one that keep, is the most valid is from the top of the hill at Burke Street. It is. The one we keep coming back to is from Grossi. Um, and it's worth noting this, like, so this isn't just a lockdown thing for uh, the Grossi family. So they have a an online store called Grossi Casa, which is Grossi at home. Um, oh, I, I like what they're doing. With I that. know That's it's good. clever, isn't it? Um, and so even Grossi Casa, even in sort of non-lockdown periods, you can order, you can order just stuff off their menu. And I think it's you know, it's not as cheap as making it yourself, but it's quite reasonably priced. And you get more than one meal from it. it was well, that, that was the do, thing yes. that I went. Really? We we went a bit hard this week. You haven't ordered, seen me eat. Ordered a few things, but there's no there's no feeling quite so smug as knowing it's you know middle of the day on Monday, you're working from home doing that your spreadsheets and your team calls, knowing that there's a uh, grossy lasagna in the fridge just ready to heat up. It's a it's a wonderful thing. So I would uh, highly recommend. That obviously, there's many, many other good restaurants doing takeaway at the moment too. But check out Grossi; it's um, it's good. Another one that I've heard of that is um, supposed to be really, really good and mm-hmm. just keeps nailing it. And um, and food of a simpler nature than you would expect from the premises that it represents, mm-hmm. and that's the Attica box. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. I, th- I think Attica is sort of going two ways with it. You can you can order. I haven't looked for a while, but you can order their very sort of fancy set menu that is priced accordingly. But mm. you can also, um, much like us, you just get yourself a lasagna, or you can just. I think they were doing some chicken Kievs for a bit the, of uh, retro classicness the other week. Jackson Pollock kitchen Kiev, uh, the oh, yeah, uh, chicken Kiev, yeah, uh, as a, with the Instagram because it did this little squirt that did sort of like a little <laughs> <laughs> Pollock. Wow. 
Yeah, chook poles. Yeah, something like that. So as we sort of, you know, we're, we're all obviously as a city and as a state, we're all just waiting for those vaccination thresholds to sort of finally meet us. But whilst we do that, if you have the means, do jump on and check out what your local favourites are doing mm. um, and see if there's any space in your fridge for some of them. What else have you been cooking? You said you've been doing some experiments. We did. Uh, anything oh, I did. I, did um, uh, I had a little bit of a Catalonia experiment uh, last week, which was good. Got the piping bag you, out. I was going to say, how do you feel? So, you, you, did you go out and buy a piping bag? Well, or? as luck would have it, we already had one. Really? But yeah, I think you need a you need a piping bag. Forget it, otherwise. <laughs> yes. I mean, seriously, just you can't. It's very very tough to spoon ricotta into these little tubes. You will go nuts. Is that? Is that? Oh, it's mine. Uh, Shush. She does that. She just sometimes that. our watches just start just talking go, to us. Really? What are you? Why did you ask me that for? <laughs> I didn't. We didn't ask you, Siri. But Catalonia is super simple. So it's just a bit of a bit of silver beet in this one ricotta, um, and then you smoosh it into the tubes using your piping bag. Smoosh. Uh, and we made a, a little tomato sugo to put on top of yeah. it and bake. Or you could just use passata if you don't want to. You know, mess about with another process. Well, yeah, I mean, a lot of the times you, you can just to make a, a Napoli. It's not hard. No, it's, it's it's but it's that little bit of time just getting the onions, the onions the sofrito down. down, a little bit of garlic. I Me, mean, you don't need too much. And the top tip I remember from Alice Z, if she's listening, uh, yes. is you've got to really, if you're going to make a tomato Napoli or tomato sauce, you've got to cook those onions reasonably hard. You've got to, you've got to get them soft because once you put yeah, the tomato in, long rather than hard. Yes, sorry, yes, it's a better way of yes, putting it. Because yes. um, uh, once you put the tomato in, it sort of stops the chemical stops, so you end up with little crunchy bits of onion, and no one wants that. <gasps> Failure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the shame. It will be shameful <laughs> as you sit there crunching your way oh, through Lord. your pasta sauce. Lordy. Uh, so if we turn our attention to, to your kitchen, Cam. Oh, yes, at 12.13, mm. listening to Edith on 3 RFM, in beautiful downtown East Brunswick. I've been cooking. Well, it started off with this dream of beef bourguignon, oh. which is just a French dish saying stewed beef. Yeah. Yeah, you know, with, yep. with stuff. And uh, and uh, it's it's funny how it kind of grew because I was thinking, yeah, okay, man, beef bourguignon, mashed potato, because it got cold and a bit wet. During the week, it you did, might didn't have it? noticed. Yes. Mm. Yeah, and I thought, perfecto. Um, could it, could, t- it could be the last opportunity to get something long and braised on the stove and still feel like it's... That's what I thought. You've got to get a yeah. beef burger on it. So if you haven't got your That's casseroles done... That's what I was done. going with that, yeah. And then, but then I was thinking, okay, so it, it just turned into a bit of a... It was delicious. It mm. really, really was. But I remember because, you know, I'm a do food and I post stuff on little Instagram. A little bit of food. A lot of... Food, yeah, and I started off this Instagram post. Um, Camp Smith, eat it if you want to play along. <laughs> um, with uh, what a mess, what a mess, <laughs> what a mess, <laughs> because it sort of started off as beef bourguignon, but then I thought, ah, oh, I've got all these really, really lovely brown mushrooms, so I'll stick them in. You right. don't put mushrooms in no. beef bourguignon, so I'd stop calling it that. And then I had this chorizos, which I thought, oh, chorizos always Funky. great in, you know, yeah. mm, mm. just don't put it in the, you know, the um, the paella or Spaniards will, will, will hunt you out of town with pitchforks <laughs> for some reason. Ah. Um, but then I thought, <clears throat> oh, and I had a bucket load of red wine in it too. Of course. <clears throat> but then I thought, oh, yeah, I'm going to need mashed potato. But then for some reason. I cooked something that I haven't cooked for probably two decades. Oh. A Yorkshire pudding. A Yorkshire pudding. A Yorkshire pudding, which is um, a phenomenally easy thing to knock together because it's just a batter. 
Yeah. Really, Yorkshire pudding is batter. Yeah. Um, eggs, milk, eh, salt. Uh, but I thought, well, no, I can change it because I am cooking man. Um, and um, so I put parmesan in it. So parmesan. Oh, yeah. That yeah, could, and, yeah a, and, a, and a heap of thyme, yeah. uh, which was really, really good. Now, am I right in saying for my food history memories, Yorkshire puddings originally, I think, were, were there simply to lengthen the meal. So the meat was very expensive and you didn't get much of it. So to make it a bit more filling... You uh, you would bake this thing and, and dip it in the, the gravy. Il carne di bavero. Ooh. The meat of the poor. Yeah, uh, yeah well, it's the same thing as we're going to talk about with fish tacos. Yes. You know, later on when we speak to Nick Malouk yeah. coming up in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but uh, it was a absolutely delightful thing. And speaking of fish tacos, mm-hmm. had a very, very big Friday night where I might have drunk a couple too many Coronas. Whoops. Yeah, but uh, we had fish tacos and I went out and, <laughs> and bought a whole bunch of flathead tails and made a beer batter and maybe I can impart some information to you because mm. otherwise we're just crapping on about the food we've been eating yep. um, in that if you ever think about making a beer batter for yourself, yes, um, it, there's a very simple measurement you can use, one to one to one. Can you remember that? I think I can. Yeah, and a bit of salt. So one egg. Yep. One cup of flour. Yep. You might need a little bit more if I'm completely honest <laughs> with you. But, hey, come on, work with me on this one. Work with me on this. And one can or bottle of beer, 375 mil. Yep. Um, I remember when I first learned this one, it was a few footy seasons ago, mm-hmm. and it used to be a bottle of Crown. Oh, wow. <laughs> Oh, can you even still get Crown? I haven't looked. Sure you can. <laughs> you get it at the RSLs. Yes. <laughs> or, or the country club or where, you, can, you know, you Barry who drives his statesman. And you can make beer batter. So then did you, uh, did you deep fry or oh, did you shallow you fry? To, and you also need to let it rest too. That's, oh. that's one important thing about a, a batter is you need those gluten strands have to... Have to chillax. Chillax. Chill out, honey bunny, you know, um, and uh, and then... Use it as opposed to a tempura batter. Yes. Which is another one where you can have. Oh, here you go. Here's another one for you. Mm. One to one to one. Mm. One cup of um, crushed ice. Yes. Right? Uh, one egg, one egg, one egg, and one cup of flour. And that will make you your tempura batter, but don't mix it up so much. No. There you go. And so, and did you deep fry? Or did you shallow fry once you've. A deep fry. That's deep uh, fried. The, where I live at the moment, one of the dangerous things. Um, <laughs> Do you have access to a deep fryer? I have access oh, to I've Cameron. not made donuts. <laughs> All right? Churros? No churros? No, but I have done a couple of dim sims and maybe <laughs> I actually have bought a four-pack of Chico Rolls from the supermarket <laughs> a while ago. No and judgment. they're still good. No judgment. You get the little bags. Yeah, you can pretend you're in the 70s yeah. again. <laughs> Did you have a big M with that? Or? Yeah, no, yeah. You watch, and you watch reruns of Bluey. <laughs> While smoking Peter Jackson's. <laughs> anyway, you're listening to Triple R. It's 12.18. We're going to talk to someone who really does know what they're talking about uh, with fish. We're going to call him Dr. Pex. Are we? No, we couldn't. He's going to hit <laughs> us if we do that. Now, we're going to talk to Nick Maluk. Yes. Uh, from Soda Fish in Lakes Entrance, but he's in Melbourne. Hey, it's a complicated story. There might be a screaming child in the background. Let's find out. Get ready for that. Triple R on FM, digital, online and via the app. Uh, it is 12.24 here on 3 Triple RFM and um, on the line, Nick Maluka, very, very good afternoon to you, sir. Cam, how are 
Sam, how are you? Oh, mate, better for uh, for talking to you, but uh, <laughs> but still uh, spewing. That uh, yeah, I, I can't get up to uh, Lake's entrance and uh, and have um, wow what it's like the I don't know the the Stoke House on the lake is sort of uh, wow what a compliment <laughs> well, but seriously it's sort of a, a bit like that isn't it I mean you know sort of you know bistro it's got downstairs upstairs, it's got downstairs yeah <laughs> I mean you know you, you I don't yeah. know you a Van Handel and, and drive around a Ferrari. <laughs> Not quite a Ferrari. I don't know if the Honda Jazz is in the same league, but, you know, Ooh. we're getting there. Yeah, it's, it's still free time, and though, and it's good. Um, yeah. Nick, uh, I thought I'd just, um, well, it was a great, just a great excuse to say good day and have a chat, but uh, the fact is that we have been told by so many people that um, we should eat more fish because uh, yeah. it's very, very good for us, uh, especially yeah. the ones with the fatty acids, the omega-3, which is great for heart health and things like that. Um, also, the nature of the fat is better within this protein. There's just one catch, and I, no pun intended there. <laughs> How do you cook it? It's expensive. <laughs> I mean, it, that stuff doesn't grow on trees, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's and, right. And I thought I'd just um, have a chat with you about it and say, listen, is there a way to um, we can do fish without going insolvent or having to see your bank manager to go, look, I'm thinking about getting a couple of kilos of flathead tails. What interest rate are you offering me? The funny you should say that. I was just at the market and I, uh, I had a second look at some of the prices and I could not believe it. But, you know, that's the times we live in and fish is just at such a premium. You just... You're paying for quality and you're paying for that freshness all the time. So yes. you have to be a little bit savvy, you know. You've got to be a little bit savvy. Yeah. Well, that's, that's why we wanted to talk to you so you could give us the edge. <laughs> so if you, want to, if you want to go for those those beautiful Omega-3 rich fish, you mm. go for your sardines, you go for your little slimy mackerel. Um, gee, gee, we need marketing department on that one, I think, somehow. <laughs> Well, these slimy mackerels I just saw down at the down at the market. Yeah, they were they were on a Sunday special tray, right? You got half a dozen or eight mackerel, which would be you know a couple of kilos, and it was twenty bucks. And look, Woo. it's be, it's better than paying sixty dollars for fillets of snapper. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Flavor flavor wise, you're packing a massive punch. Yes. Um, on a day like today, the sun's still shining. Yes. We could put it on a barbecue, yes. you know, outdoor, outdoor eating. Put it on a barbecue, throw some dressing on it or something, a nice acidic dressing to throw, uh, to uh, cut through all the fatty acids of those fish and a bit of charcoal you get from the barbecue. Ooh, and okay. you won't be you won't be buying snapper fillets again, let me tell you. Right. Okay, so there's a way yeah. out of this, and you're, you're well, the one. Yeah, that's it, that's it. Listen to Matt. Uh, <laughs> Nick, Nick, listen to Nick and Nick. say, go, go slimy. Well, go slimy, yeah. yeah. And that, actually, another slimy, mm. but we do this at Soda Fish all the time. We, we use slimy octopus for our octopus dish, which is, you know, we sell tons and tons of it, literally. Mm. And you, you cut the heads off. I mean, you cut the, what are they, legs? You cut the legs off. Ten, you or the tentacles. Tentacles, yes. tentacles sorry. Yeah, yeah. 
we use the tentacles. We slow cook them beautifully with some bay and olive oil, and mm. and then we throw them over the hibachi to get a little bit of charcoal, a oh, bit of colour on them. Okay. Right. Oh, delicious, yeah. delicious. And we, you know, we change up the garnish for that a fair bit. You, just just so you know, Matt and I looked at each other and we sort of shifted in yeah. our seats, oh. going, "Oh, oh that's good." Slow. <laughs> oh. oh, stop it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But then you got. Anyway, but you got but, all these heads. Yeah, that's the sexy ingredient, the tentacles. But then you got the heads, which is you know they're pretty gross looking. They got all the guts and the heads and the brains and stuff in them. And you got to skin them, and there's a bit of cartilage in them. But yeah. it's half it's half the weight of the octopus. So if you if you're going to chuck half of it in the bin, you may as well just chuck the rest of it in the bin, I reckon. And it cooks up delicious. So once you skin it and you take the brains out of it, mm. I uh, treat it like. Treat it like some mince, chop it up a bit, and treat it like a bolognese or a ragu or something like that. Put some celery, onion, bay leaf, maybe a bit of carrot, some tomato, and you've got the the most best, the the best tasting ragu you'll eat, you'll get. Great texturally, you know, beautiful flavour, mm. and it, it's soft as butter, you know. Yeah, it's yeah, delicious, and half the price. So, if you're friends with your fishmonger, yeah. only if you're friends. You might say to him one day, you know, do you want to clean up a couple of those slimy octopus heads and throw them in a bag for me? And he might charge you bugger all for them, so you could be lucky there too. Mm-hmm. Okay, first of all, you have to gra- befriend your fishmonger. Hi. Back door. Well, <laughs> how do you do? You hang around a lot at the, at the back door. Oh, it's me. Do you want to go for uh, a drink? <laughs> coffee, or, coffee or food usually coffee. does the job. You yeah, know? no, that's, that, that is a good idea. Uh, for some reason, I'm thinking... Uh, with that sort of thing, um, Spanish flavours like smoked paprika, oregano, garlic, and a fair bit of oil, and then you almost do it so, yeah, and you have it with lots of crusty bread and a really, yeah. really sharp salad on the side. Absolutely, yeah. And get, get really deep in that flavour profile with your paprikas and your garlics, like you said, and then... And then you could have That's it with good. polenta as well, or yeah. you know, we, we've done it sort of Italian style and thrown yeah. it through a risotto. Yeah. Beautiful. We can have a with a toasted bread comes on top. You can have it with a Yorkshire pudding. <laughs> Why not? Well, no, okay. <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, it, it, the yeah. great thing I made these Yorkies the other day, which are also known if you look them up uh, uh, online, also as popovers. Um, yeah, so, right. so Yorkshire pudding is the the English style. The Americans embraced it and they put a whole bunch of stuff, and it takes cheese really, really well. But something like that next to it, because then you can just break it up and you use it as a trencher to soak up those juices. How about this, Nick? Tell me, how yeah. valid do you think the Thai fish cake is? Uh, it's valid. <laughs> it's definitely valid. Yeah. But don't I think. Some of the some of the misconceptions or some of the mistakes people make with fish cakes is they put the shit in them. Excuse me, sorry, Nick, I just dropped that's the That's right. F-bomb. Sorry, children. Sorry, children. Go out, play in the play in the traffic, <laughs> children. Yes, that's it. They they try and find the worst fish they can buy to put in there, or just the leftover, maybe the stuff that's going off. You, yeah, we're not talking about salmon use... tails or anything like that. <laughs> no, well, yeah, I, I'd use a white white fish, something with not too strong aroma. What about blue and... grenadier? Perfect. There Perfect you go. Blue but that's cheap too, so it's double win. It's cheap. Hey. Yeah, it's cheap. Blue grenadine is delicious. I, yeah. I like it with a, bat, with a little bit of batter around it, but you know, Ooh. each to their own. 
Okay. Hey, did I tell you we're experimenting with some uh, school whiting or sand whiting? Is that also silver whiting? Silver whiting, yeah, yeah, yeah. the small the, ones. The, the little ones, that, yeah, yeah. The, probably the cheapest whiting. That's right. And, so, and probably because of the, the bones. It's the bones that freaks yeah, everybody out. A little, there's a little bit of work in them, there is. But if you get a technique going right, you can sort of skip the bones, skip the, um, the rib bones at the top and then sort of whip the tails off and you still get a really nice fillet with minimal wastage. So yes. there's a bit of a technique into it. But What's the technique, Chef? Well, you just, you just sort of skim over the rib bones and you do leave a little bit of flesh on. Yes. But... But the time that you save is more than makes up for it. And if you and if you're using the uh, frames for stock or something like that, you're not losing. Or you can use them in a soup or something like that. So, mm. um, yeah. But anyway, with the with the fillets, we've been knocking them off. We've been doing a little bit bit of experimenting with a raw dish or a ceviche or a crudo or however we like to dress it. But it's raw fish cooked with acid. We're, cooked with acid. Yeah. Mm. Lots of lots of flavour in it as well. We'll actually give it a good chili punch or a, a finger line punch or acid, yeah, something. Anyway, actually, okay. Well, this can can I ask you what's yeah. sort of the preferred uh, escabeche uh, mixture that you use? Oh, my my go to because I, I do it in winter, so yeah. citrus are all around in winter. So I just I pick whatever's in the bowl or pick whatever looks good, you know. So I'm using a mixture all the time, and I usually do. An equal mixture of what I've got, and then I like to boost it up with a bit of white wine vinegar as well. So, 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 uh, so citric acid of some sort, no, whether it's yeah, orange, lemon, lime, lime orange. yeah, lemon, yeah. lime, orange, you know, and whatever. then yeah. and then boost it up with a little bit of um, uh, vinegar, and then yeah, and then what vinegar. else? Oil. Touch of sh- touch of sugar if it needs that sweetness, because some of the some of the deep winter. Citrus can be a little bit acidic, especially yeah. if you're getting it off your neighbour or something like that. So mm. maybe a touch of sugar. I always love to drown it in olive oil after it's been dressed in that citrus and finish it with the olive oil. <laughs> sometimes some chilli, sometimes some coriander root, sometimes some finger lime, you know. Okay. Something to give it a burst or a crunch as yeah, well. Yeah, a grind of pepper. is always good on there. Grind of pepper always and some salt. Yes. Yeah, and then some crusty bread. Yeah, see, that's it. Yeah, that's um, that sounds really, really good. And yeah. um, and of course, if you can't get to the market, if you can't get to wherever, you have probably got a can of tuna in your pantry. I reckon one of the great things is you open up a can of good chunk quality tuna. You add it to a can of say can. Uh, Cannellini beans. I can never say it properly. White <laughs> beans. Cannellini, even. Let's go. Cannellini. Yeah. yeah. Hey, yeah. We'll thank you, Matt, for, for helping me out there. Uh, chop up a, a red onion, some parsley, and again, uh, vinegar, a little bit of oil, pepper, and crusty bread. And you have got yourself great, healthy food, um, and that's really cheap. And it's in the cupboard all the time. Yeah, it's sort of like the. You've the, just got it. You've it's just like got it on hand. Seafood puttanesca. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with throwing a tin of tuna in some pasta, I don't think, either. Yeah. All right. Look, we've gone... Okay, so this is the way we've gone. So be canny. Um, probably go to the markets. Um, there are um, certain types of fish which are which are cheaper, and we've sort of... Well, we've explored that. Tell me, Nick, if I can just flip the coin, mm. the money no object... Fish. What would you? If I said, uh, "Go on, you can have whatever you want," 
It's, well, it's a tough call, but would it be I, Skull I Island want... prawns? Would it be? Nah. I don't know what, what. What? Well, I'm a I'm a sucker for Lakes Entrance school prawns, and they're relatively reasonably priced. You know, they're twenty bucks a kilo, so they're they're, they're my sort of last supper sort of seafood. Yeah, um, prawns is probably my favourite thing <laughs> in the world, really. Yeah, um, look, King George Whiting, you can't really go past. I just I just love it. Because... It's just. Because it's so white and it's so easy to eat oh, and just... It's so delicate, yeah. yeah. But, you know, but you know, saying that, it mm. sometimes lacks a bit of flavour, you know. Ah. Those slimy mackerels, they're, they're punching above their weight in, in flavour. <laughs> so it, it depends what mood you're in, Cam. But if, you, yeah. if you've got no limit on your budget, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Money's not everything. Oh, how about, okay. Flavour is. Coral, <laughs> coral trout wings. Well, yeah, well, coral trout wings, yeah, Ooh. yeah. Really good, and the cheek and the, yeah, the head. And actually, tell okay before we finish up, is that a possibility? Do maybe the not, not enough people know about um, you know uh, uh, fish maws and collars and wings from large yeah. fish? Are they are they still getting thrown out, or has that become oh. gourmet? No, nah, nah, people are using them more and more for sure. Damn! Don't me tell anyone. Nah, that's it. Yeah. Me and my wife got a cold trout the other day, and we thought you know it was a special occasion. I mm. think it was a Thursday. Yeah. Something like that. Yep. Um, and it was perfect size for us too. So we just I trimmed it up super hard. So I took the wings and the head and the fins off it really, really, really mm. heavily. Mm. And I steamed it up nice, nice Asian style. I think I put some Gin- know, ginger, ginger shallots, that yeah. sort of action, yep. All that gear. Yeah, it was beautiful <laughs> the night, yeah. on the night. And then the next morning I made a Tom Yum out of the head and the wings. And oh. I think the Tom Yum won. Yeah. It was just. Amazing, you know, so simple and just, I don't know, something so refreshing about a fish broth like that that just, yep. just sings to me. It's great. And, and maybe we can say to finish this up is that remember, folks, that if you, um, that fish, meat, whatever it is, everything always tastes better close to the bone. Mm, good point, Cam. <laughs> Thanks, mate. <laughs> is, is there anything you want to summarise summarize on? Oh, on that, no, I think you covered it with that. <laughs> oh, okay. Damn, I should have, I should no, have given no. you some glory. <laughs> well, uh, no, you, said, you, you said it spot on. The the cheek meat and the oh, and the, the little wings. bit of uh, meat and the wings and the, and the oh. stuff in just that just joins to the skull there. It's just yep. it's oh. beautiful. And if you're getting really picky, the stuff around the eyes that hold the eyes in it just uh, got that, this gelatinous. Now you're oh. now you're really freaking out the vegetarians. <laughs> Sorry, folks. We're, we're going to have to let you go on that, Nick. Uh, the name <laughs> no of the restaurant care. is Soda Fish. It's Soda in Lakes Entrance. I can't wait to see you there. Um, I want to see you there. Yeah, Melburnians, when you can get out, it's a, it's the reason to go to Lakes Entrance. Nick, love you, buddy. Big hug. Speak soon. Speak soon, mate. Bye. Bye. <clears throat> I mean, bye. <laughs> Goodbye, Nick. <laughs> Do we want to play some music? We do. Before we do, uh, uh, you know how we're talking at the start of the show about Radiothon and you can still subscribe and get prizes? A couple of people have. Oh, God, goodness me. And we want to just acknowledge these excellent humans. Mary Alanda from West Footscray uh, is a new subscriber to Einstein and GoGo. Mary. Thanks to everyone. Appreciate their work and contribution to Blah. Yep. Uh, Julie Bradley from Diamond Creek has renewed to, I think, the whole station. Says, love your work, Chipola. Yes. Uh, Lindy Billen from Mattingly is a new subscriber. Welcome, Lindy. 
says, keep up the great work. And also Dana Cook from Ferntree Gully has renewed to the excellent show Stolen Moments. And all of those people will go into the running for the prizes, which will be drawn probably next couple of weeks. Probably, ne- are, probably next week even. Yes, I was going to say, which are many and significant. They are. Excellent yes. prizes. You're listening to a Triple R podcast. Discover more podcasts from Triple R exploring science, technology, food, books, social issues, politics and more. To listen, hit up the Triple R website or your favourite podcast platform. It's the time that we take and we say the sun is definitely over the yard arm. Is it though because of daylight saving? No, I'm not going to go down that road. <laughs> Captain Pedantic <laughs> over here. What are you? The handbrake. To the sundials. <laughs> to the sundials, everyone. <laughs> Uh, but it's a great thing to be able to introduce to you um, a uh, someone who's coming a bit a little bit of a dying breed, a diminishing thing, shall we say? An independent beer brewer. His name is Scotty McKinnon. He has, with his fabulous wife, a wonderful brewery called Wolf of the Willows, and it's down there by the bay in Morty Alex. Scotty, g'day. Hey Cam, how are you? You haven't been bought out yet, have you? <laughs> did, did, Not that I'm aware of. My uh, bank balance doesn't show that. No, so. An- Anheuser no. Bush haven't been. <laughs> it's not a whole bunch of guys camping at your door. <laughs> Go on, take nah. the money. Take the money. No, no, no. We're we're still a, a wee little fish. Uh, excuse the pun, considering the previous gift. Yeah. Nice, nice. Hey, yeah, and we didn't actually get to mention the fact that uh, that your wife Renee knows um, that is there's a. Uh, there's a there's a little bit of symbiosis or a a, a thing with uh, now who was it the fishmonger whose last name was Brown? Yeah, so Renee, a lot of Renee's family come from Lakes Entrance. So, yes. Um, so she and I have very fond memories of uh, yeah, particularly those school prawns. Uh, Nick was bang on. I reckon that yeah. would be uh, yeah, twenty bucks a kilo straight off the trawlers <sighs> in uh, in Lakes. A little bit hard to peel, but they're. Bloody delicious! Oh, and this, and they are so sweet, so sweet, so oh, sweet. But um, incredible. Um, we wanted to talk as uh, part of your portfolio of beers. And folks, if you've tuned in before, you would have heard me talk to Scott. I think we had a, a long chat about the history of porter uh, was one of the things, and it's interesting in the fact that the one that we're going to be looking at today uh, was something that had to replace porter. Was it not? Indeed, it uh, became one of the more popular styles back in history, simply because of, uh, I suppose, consumer need, necessity. Yeah. So, uh, just a, a beefed-up version of the pale ales that were quite popular at the time, and and then uh, with a fact or fable, uh, them being uh, those pale ales being shipped across. Uh, across to India to look after all the lovely soldiers that were uh, <laughs> the, the English cultural imperialism at the time. Yes, so. all the lovely soldiers. Mm. <laughs> all the lovely, the bully boys of, uh, well, English Empire. I mean, they were, if we look at the English Empire, there was the bureaucracy that ran <laughs> it, and then there was the muscle governor. And uh, they were the ones that needed beer to sate them, and... Uh, and apparently, in the the beginning, they tried sending you know this sort of square head porters over there, and it had to go over two equators, and it didn't take the trip too well, did it? No, unfortunately, uh, one of the the main things that'll really hurt beer is, is heat, 
Um, and obviously crossing the equator twice, uh, that sort of temperature changes are pretty obvious to anyone that's uh, travelled a little bit. So yeah. the uh, solution was to make them higher alcohol, obviously uh, a preservative uh, in its own right, and increase the uh, the hopping uh, ratio. So hops uh, being... Uh, uh, antibacterial of themselves mm. and also having uh, quite a, a number of positive flavour characteristics. So they basically turn these beers into monsters. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so mo- monster alcohol, monster hops. Um, what sort of... Do, do you, are you aware, this is a question without notice, Scotty, um, but the type of hops that they were using for those? Uh, so they were all the sort of English traditional hops, so particularly East Kent Goldings and, and Fuggles, which uh, uh, were grown in the, the south of England. Yes. And that's probably to go a little bit uh, further down the beer nerd path. That's why you'll have English IPAs versus American IPAs. And the main difference is, uh, historically being just the the types of hops that were used. Yes. Um, Almost a form of, I suppose, beer terroir, uh, to put it into a, a wine uh, context. Because, um, uh, now, just a second, Sierra, Sierra Nevada is probably one of the best-known American pale ales and one that I've mm-hmm. uh, enjoyed. And that gets its wonderful nose because of, I think they're called Cascade Hops, is that right? Correct. Hey, so, tick. yeah, so Sierra Nevada. Sierra Nevada were, um, the, I suppose, well, the, the first main brewery to take basically the English pale ales and put an American um, feel to them. So, mm. uh, yeah, using Cascade that is basically grown along the Pacific Northwest coast mm. of America. And what's and what's your uh, take on it? What's the uh, what's the Australian response, and especially down there in Mordialic with uh, Wolf and the Willows? <laughs> uh, well, uh, personally, I, I love. Uh, what we call the traditional West Coast IPAs, which came from America yes, and became very popular during probably the early 90s to the 2000s. And then, uh, but we we have a little bit of an arm wrestle in the brewery where uh, some of the more highly skilled uh, and a lot more on the tool uh, these days, the brewers... Uh, <laughs> on the tools, more. I like that, yes. The, yeah, no, a no, little bit too much keyboard warrior going on at mine now, Cam, but um, um, yeah, so probably moving more into what we call the hazy IPAs or to put it into context, the east coast of America where they originated originally from in the sort of mid-2000s. Can I uh, paraphrase? Yeah, of course. The IPA with the hipster shirt and the full beard <laughs> conditioner. Yeah, that's, it's, that's, that's it's, probably... It's a new thing and it's very, very hipster-driven, isn't it? Yeah, look, it's probably, it's, I suppose, new age versus old school. It's probably the best way to put it. Um, but uh, those, the new hazy IPAs, are, I suppose, a different flavour profile, a lot less uh, bitterness compared to the American West Coast IPAs or the original English IPAs. And, and they look so um, weird. They look like uh, orange juice. <laughs> well, that's, uh, that's the thing, you know, people... Uh, people uh, drink with their eyes as well as eat with their eyes, I yeah. suppose. So um, uh, that sort of visual thing really means they do stand out 
and uh, yeah, there's been a you know a, a number of breweries, uh, including ourselves, that sometimes put fruit in them to kind of get that you know breakfast juice kind of flavour and and look as well. Yeah, because it is. It's um, rather than being a uh, uh, a transparent thing like beer is that we normally think of. Um, it's it, well, it's translucent at best, um, isn't it? It it really there's a, there's a lot of matter in there that uh, that uh, absorbs the light, shall we say? Yeah, yeah, it definitely um, gives them a, a different appearance, but it's also because of the way the hops are used. So. Um, I suppose technically a uh, hazy IPA will have hops added throughout the ferment, so we have a thing called biotransformation that happens where the, the yeast actually kind of cut up some of the hop oils and uh, create different flavour profiles than you'd get um, out of the hop as it would uh, traditionally be used. Biotrans- I'm just trying to get my head around this idea of biotransformation. Um, so is is there something that we can compare this to uh, maybe in fermentation in the wine world or is, is there something that we can give an analogy to that just helps us uh, get our heads around this a bit more? I'd say it's when you – probably the best one for me is when you have herbs that you – Say, for example, garlic, yep. the flavour profile you get off raw garlic yep. versus when you've actually cooked it and heated it up, and they are obviously quite different. So yes. that's probably the best way to, um, uh, or best comparison that I can give. Yeah, got you. Okay. Um, and, and coriander. Coriander is another great one where it can be used in curries and the like earlier in the cooking process versus just being used as, a, I suppose, a finishing herb or a, or a garnish right at the end, having very different characteristics yeah gotcha yeah it gets uh, it gets mellowed out and uh yes i understand that um so you guys are doing how long have you been working on your hazy ipo for is it out uh we've we released uh we did a couple of sour ones a few years ago and then uh but probably mainly last year since um we've had a couple of new brewers come on board mm. and uh so we we're now doing a series of them. So, uh, uh, actually, ironically, this week we're releasing two new hazy IPAs, or one one hazy IPA and one double hazy IPA. So, a little bit more hops. Uh, sorry, an increase in hops and a little bit more alcohol as well for the double. What's the alcohol on the double hazy? Eight uh, percent. What? <clears throat> okay. Yes. Okay. You got my. Uh, you have my full attention now because I did a little bit of homework yesterday where I had a couple um, hazies and they were, I've got to say, they were really, really delightful beers. They smelled great. Um, they looked incredible. Um, and I like a bit of bitter in my beer. That's that's one thing that I've um, come to understand about craft beers is that hops are wonderful things and they can add so much to a a beer, but wow, eight percent is that's that's a bit of a beast. Yeah, they're definitely uh, <laughs> they're definitely beers you want to be quite comfortable in your environment, you know. So yeah, you don't prefer- want to be... preferably in a couch. <laughs> well, exactly. Um, and you know, don't one, wear one roller skates. Get back to the pub. <laughs> no, no, not at all. And I think, um, but that that's the thing. If you relate those that sort of alcohol percentage back to the the history behind IPAs, they. Uh, probably would have 
cemented further in the barrels as they came over the equator and then back back over it again. So yes. they were probably quite high in alcohol by the time those uh, those soldiers are sipping on them in you know forty degree humid environments. So, uh, would have would have would have made the the lobster backs pretty happy, which I think is one of the things they used to call the uh, <laughs> uh, the the redcoats. But just red briefly, I did mention in the beginning of the show that there was a corollary between IPA and a certain wine, and I thought mention the fact we were talking about this yesterday, Madeira. Um, Madeira is a, a small island. It's, uh, it belongs to Portugal, uh, off the coast there. Beautiful volcanic soils. They grew grapes there uh, in the 1700s. Um, they sent some of these again to, to India, and they found that actually by having the wines go over the equator twice and the pitching of the boat, that it actually improved the product and to this day, Madeira will go under a, uh, a method called Estefar, <laughs> where it's taken up to 50 degrees Celsius and kind of uh, kept at that thing to replicate a double equatorial voyage. Which is uh, interesting because a couple of uh, well-known Australian whiskey producers use uh, ex-Madeira bar- barrels. Yes. And... Obviously, the reason we can get different uh, uh, flavour characteristics at a, in a lot quicker time period in Australia compared to, say, the highlands of Scotland is because of the temperature changes, which, you know, that is in, meaning that the liquid is going in and out of the actual barrel membrane, the wood ah, membrane. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, squeezing in, uh, squeezing out, and as it's going in and out, it's dragging all those tannins and uh, little flavonoids all around the place. Scotty. Exactly. Wolf and the Willows, people, look out. There's a new hazy IPA, too, in fact, coming out. Little children coming out of the brewery. Inner Vision and Double Vision, Cam. Inner Vision and Double Vision. So oh, that, coming out this week. That's beautiful, man. Oh, thank you for having me, mate. <laughs> Scott, it's, uh, I can't wait to see you at the brewery. Um, been a long time between drinks. Thank you for joining us. Say hi to you, wife Renee, and... Yeah, and it looks like you should see if you can get your beer into soda fish up there. <laughs> as long as I can hand deliver it. Yeah, we can we can go prawning in the in the in the water there. See you later, mate. See you, Cam. Bye. There he is, Scotty McKinnon. Yeah. Uh, Matty, that was all a bit of fun. It was. Hey, we got one other subscriber just come through during the show. Oh, wonderful! Who's got that? in before the Wednesday cutoff. Whom? Joanne Stevens from Eltham is renewed to Iceland and says. Big yell out to Alfie and Roscoe, small but dedicated Triple R listeners. Hello, Alfie. Alfie! And hello, Roscoe. Roscoe, Thanks what are listening. you doing? <laughs> uh, and you've got until Wednesday, as we keep saying, to get your subscription and go on the running for prizes. Hey, still here is on next, Cameron Smith. It is indeed. And it is indeed. And I should also just forward promote for next week, we've got Ben Shuri, oh. Maria Siliaka's 20 years of oh. essential ingredient. The changes she's seen. Yeah. Oh. Thanks, man. See you next week. Thank you, folks. Hi, this is Cam Smith, and you've been listening to the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website.